and welcome to EST and Jax Speaks. How are you tonight, babe? I'm good. How are you doing? I am fabulous. It's really weird that we ended up in the same color and we both look kind of hip hoppy. Oh, man, right? Great minds, great minds. That's right. Great minds thinking like. So, Jax, what's happening in the world? I missed you last week. We had a really amazing show with Reverend Gregory Seal Livingston. I tell you, I don't know whether I laughed or I was just in shock. It was just a really full, full show, but um, he'll be back. Anywho, what's happening in the world? Um, just waiting for this COVID bill to get pushed through so maybe people can get some relief, but uh, it seems now that there's been a little compromise for uh, moderate Democrats, so not as many people as initially that we're going to get the stimulus checks are going to get them now, so, um, you know, it's just hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait, and uh, we have more we're pushing this is this is march he went in january 20th they've been talking about this since last year and i'm so glad you brought this up because this is really a pet peeve for me and i'm sure millions of americans how long do you have to wait to make this doggone decision because you know what it's funny I brought up Reverend Gregory and he said something, it, it was just so funny. The question that I asked him, because he was speaking about reparations, the question that I asked him was, you have this plan to get reparations, but how do you propose to disperse it amongst all of the people that you feel it belongs to? And he broke it down so clear. He said, listen, first of all, it's been done already because there were people who got $600. There are people who got $1,200. There were people who don't even have bank accounts and they weren't getting this money in cash. <laughs> getting, they were getting it electronically. There were people who never had a bank account in their whole life. There were immigrants that got this money. So do not ask me how I'm going to disperse hundreds of thousands of dollars, trillions of dollars in back reparations and interest to people who are already in the system that don't know that they deserve this, that don't realize it, that, that they can get what they deserve. And I was really taken by that because the American government has every capability of getting these funds to the people who deserve them and the people who need them. So let me tell you, let me ask you this. Are they holding on to these, this money in order to get through budgetary constraints? And this, in other words, are they stalling for time and the interest that's being built up as they stall for time benefits them? Because this is ridiculous. We're in March. Well, Here, first off, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. First off, we, we got to realize that, number one, uh, Biden was put at a very huge disadvantage with the transition, number one. Number two, you've got moderate Democrats that are, in a sense, stalling the progress. 
And now we have learned as of yesterday that one of the um, Senate Republicans is now going to have the parliamentarian read the whole 600 page bill on the Senate floor. And this is just a stall tactic. So um, I, I think that the Democrats are really trying to push things through, but with confirmations, um, a harrowing transitional period, all of the things, the, the um, uh, threats of violence and stuff against Capitol, Capitol Hill and lawmakers, there's a lot going on. But at the end of the day, it, it is, in my view, Republicans that are trying to use stall tactics and do everything that they can to prevent this from happening. Um, it, it strikes me as strange that every time we have Republicans in the White House, it's tax cuts for the 1% and everything's good. But as soon as they're not in control, then it's, oh, we must be fiscally conservative, you know? So it, it's, it's unfortunate that um, doing this type of stuff, relief that people need so bad, especially during this pandemic is just a lot of it is being toyed with by the other side and, and a lot of it is just an issue of time, so. But, but the thing that's killing me, Jax, is, and I have to be careful how I walk with this. It's not that I hold my thought process, it's I try not to curse on air and this has me so agitated, I might let one slip and that's not who we are. But in all of this backpedaling and we got to check this and wasting time and there are people who are losing everything. 35, 37, 40 days ago, this check hit it could have made the difference between them keeping what they have or being re able to rebuild what they have. Now you've, and the, here's the thing, the mortgage companies, they say that the mortgage companies are doing this forbearance thing. Let me tell you something, I got a mortgage, they're not. They say that the rental issue is being held up and they're compensated. Let me tell you something, they're not. Because if a tenant is living in a building that I own and they're not paying rent for a whole year, but I don't know if you've ever had rentals where people, there's a natural breakdown that goes to a home. When, remember when we were buying all of that toilet paper in the beginning of the pandemic? Well, people actually use toilet paper and it clogs up the system and you have to call a repairman. If you have a person that's renting that has children, children automatically rip up a house. So you have to make repairs. So as an excuse me, as an owner, repairs have to be made, number one. The forbearance issue in talking to these banks about, they don't care, they want their money. So this is all a bunch of nonsense and you want me to sit here and beg you for $1,200 when I pay my taxes on time? And when you call for the money that you say that I owe you in taxes, I, I have no recourse but to pay you or you drag this out and charge me interest. And don't let me even get started on the student loan business because that's a whole, listen, all right, I'm going to take a breath. Just pay the people. Just pay the people. 
Jack, well, people, people don't have food. I know. Hopefully by, they're looking at next week to have the bill signed by Biden and hopefully checks in the bank, in the mail, in your electronic accounts soon. You know, you but- You know how many times we it, heard that? Yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's really, it's a hard road because it is supposed to be government for the people, by the people. And nowadays it seems like we don't have much of a say. And it's sad because this bill is supported across the board by partisanship and the Republicans are still playing games. So they're the ones that are going to have to answer to their constituents at the end of the day. But with the way things are going, it's like, will they really pay? We shall see. We should, but I, I, I hope that people can get the stimulus very soon. You mean the constituents that are still waiting for Trump and Melania to ride a chariot out of the clouds? Actually, on that's the fourth, today. They were supposed to do that's that. That's today. Okay. Sorry. We're gonna we're gonna <laughs> leave it. There. <laughs> I can't. I can't. You cannot make this crap up. Other countries are looking at us going, WTF? Really? Okay, so you know what? Obviously, this is why I leave politics to you because you kind of temper me through the situation. <sighs> All right, so now this is Women's History Month. So guess what today's show is about? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Woo. <laughs> Today so we're talking about women, women in COVID. In COVID, which is a big thing, because um, over the past year we have had a lot of difficulty across the board. Everybody, I mean, we were just discussing some of the stuff, people losing jobs, us being locked up in the house and some people losing relationships, some people gaining relationships, some people getting pregnant, some people having babies. There's a lot that has gone on, especially with the kids within the last year. But you know what? We, we wanted to take a look at all of our sisters all of the women today, because there are some real situations happening with us that people are just casually talking about. So one of the things that I did this week as a part of our show, because I wanted to bring some of the sisters on, I asked several women the question, and the question was, during the past year of this pandemic, what has been your biggest challenge how have you been dealing with it or overcoming it? And then once they explained that, I wanted them to give one positive thought as to how they could help another sister along because sisters remember in everything that we go through that so affects us, it's a, it serves as a guidebook for other people. So I always encourage our sisters to talk through a situation, talk to other sisters, let them know what's going on because you never know what another sister is afraid to talk about or she feels that she's crazy for talking about. If she hears you open up about it, you might be freeing her. So this is kind of a guidebook 
to help everyone out as we discuss these things. But before I go any further in that, and then I'm gonna shut up, Jax, because I know you, you have some numbers on this. Um, as I said, in the past year, we've all been dealing with some things, but typically as women, we are the doctor in the house. We're the homemaker, we're the bus driver. We are always the caretaker. We're the drill sergeant, we're the therapist. And there's a whole myriad of things that if we're not in the household handling, they're not going well. So now on top of this, we're now not working. Some of us who still actually have jobs can't go to work anyway because we have younger children or children who may not be babies or in the early elementary phase, but may even be teenagers where, let's be honest, we don't trust leaving them at home because you guys are doing, you're doing school online, you're playing games online, you're talking to your friends online. When do these kids go outside of the house? How is their mental state? Because some of these kids are in a real depression and don't want to even leave. So as a mother, you can't just pick up and walk out of your house and leave all of that happening. That's a lot of weight, Jax. My heart pains for the women that are going through this path. I, listen, I'm not saying that the brothers ain't got stuff to deal with too, but on a regular basis, we deal with the weight of the home for the most part. To now have it impacted by the COVID situation, we need to talk, we need to let it out. So I'm gonna ease back in and let you drop a couple of things in there too, because I know we have a couple of callers that are gonna come, come in today and join us. But ladies, once again, this show is for your health. Please type your comments. Please let us know if even it's privately, because you know you can send us an email at esp at esp.com. You can send us um, at esp at gmail, espspeaks at gmail.com. You can hit us on our ESP page on Facebook and YouTube. You can also hit up Jaxology on YouTube. Talk to us. Because Jax, even the recipes that you threw in last week, I get little comments. Oh my God, I didn't even know I could do that. That saved me so much time. So they really love these new recipes that you've been dropping in. But we're here for you and the information that we give. We're not just sitting here to look at ourselves and be, you know, the next thing on the podcast world. I mean, it would be nice, but that's not why we're here. We're here for your health. We're here for your well-being. And we're here to discuss information that makes a difference in your life. So feel free to talk to us. Jax, I'm going to shut up now. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so just getting back to what you said, like women in the household tend to be the chef, the, you know, the caregiver, the doctor and everything. When you're looking outside of the household, you have 70% of healthcare workers are women. Domestic workers are women. Hospitality workers are women. Um, and in general, women already earn less. Uh, we, unfortunately, we have less, less savings. Um, 
we have unpaid domestic work in the house. That's, you know, you clean, you cook, you care for your kids. You're not getting paid for that. So that's time that you are actually working and not being compensated. And yes, I think housework is comp compensationable, but, um, and the majority of single family households are run by women. So I have always said that, that the house, we should be able to do that. Households should be compensatory. Right. I agree. So, I agree. Oh. Hi, lady. Hello. Hi. <laughs> okay, wait. Uh, I see a little baby. The baby that, has a voice. That's my um, icon that I like. Hold on. Same, but different, but yet the same, right? That's what I, I, I love. That's between that and polar bears. Those are my favorite. So, hello. How are you? How are you, Stacy? <laughs> Hi, Yid. <laughs> I'm sick of these platforms. I'm, I'm sick of it. But this is what my life has come to. So, I have to learn to adjust and adapt and move on. That's it. Okay, somebody. so joining us is one of the lovely ladies that we posed the question to. And just to repeat, the question was, during the past year of this pandemic, what has been your greatest challenge? How are you dealing with it if you have or have not resolved it? And in the event that someone else is feeling it, what advice would you give to them? So joining us this afternoon is our dear sister, Stacy Warren. Stacy, how are you? I'm well, ladies. I'm well. Thank you, Esther and Jax, for having me this afternoon. It's so great to see faces. <laughs> um, I just want to say that this, uh, this topic is huge, right? Women with um, this COVID and on a regular basis without any type of pandemic, Women face huge challenges on a daily basis, whether it's children, relationships, work, and this just impounded the situation and exasperated everything. So um, a colleague and I were talking and mental health comes up and it came up for me that, um, you know, depression and anxiety is a mental health issue. And some people don't recognize it, but it encumbers everything. It encumbers spiritual well-being, your physical well-being. If your mental health is not good, none of it will play out well. And I haven't gotten over this or gotten through it because this is something that I still struggle with. Sometimes not so much each day. Some days it's a little easier than others, but it's still a struggle. And when I'm falling into this or spiraling into this, I have to remember to breathe. Because if I don't breathe, I can't even imagine where I would be at this point. So I have to allow myself, I have learned to allow myself time for me. I have carved out between lunch and getting back on a Zoom meeting to just close my eyes and breathe. And I mean, breathe from my belly button 
all the way in and exhale slowly, even if it's for a minute. And I feel that will settle my spirit and settle my mind. Because if we run around, I know if I, and I've done it, run around, run around, run around, taking care, tending to this person, that person, and everybody else's needs, my needs are not met. And I then break down. And that's not good. So I, I will encourage. When did you realize that this was affecting you? Were you were we headlong into the pandemic before you got that? I mean, what what triggered you in this feeling? When I broke down, tell you was wrong. When I broke down, when I realized that it, I felt out of control. I and I don't mean that I was doing, you know, dangerous things, but I felt physically, mentally, everything was just spiraling out of control for me. And I said, whoa, wait a minute, I need to rein this in. And when I spoke to a very good colleague of mine, a trusted person, and she said, oh, I thought I was feeling by myself with these feelings. So by just reaching out to her and she and I were able to talk together and we talk together even now once a week, just to check in with each other. Hey, how you doing? How's it going with you? Know, with you? What are you thinking? What are your thoughts? So when I felt tight and wound up and all like my heart was all over the place, something was wrong. Something was wrong. And I needed to find an outlet. And I found it in speaking with my girlfriend. And now we have come together and we check in on each other, on our mental health with each other. Because if you don't, I don't even, I can't imagine where people would be without um, uh, um, checking in with somebody and then also using a technique of breathing. That breathing does wonders. It, it really, for me, for me, it does wonders. You know, and um, I will tell anybody out there, please, you know, Allow yourself time for you. It's okay for you to give yourself time. That's my encouragement, encouraging words to other women. Give, allow yourself a little time for yourself. It's okay. You don't have to feel bad about giving yourself time so that you will be better for you and the others that you take care of. So that's it. One thing you touched on, the breathing, the breathing can help a lot. As simple as it sounds, it can just ground you and give you a chance to really assess what's going on in the moment. And another thing that you've touched on, I think it is very important, especially right now, because we're on lockdown, we're isolated, that you have somebody that you can talk to and and get it out and support each other because not only can you call on a person that might be struggling with you you might be able to talk to that person and they might be able to help you so it's good that you have a support system to help you moving through this because this pandemic not only is it hitting everyone it's hitting women specifically um in a, a very inequitable way when you compare women to men. So it's good to hear that you're able to move through. And so now with COVID happening, um, have you been able to work from home? Because a lot of women of color and women in general 
we have jobs that uh, don't afford us the luxury of necessarily working from home and continuing to make that money. So how has that been, the, the working side of it been for you? So I, I, I work for the DOE and I was based on my health, given um, comparable accommodations to work at home. So I have learned that that computer, why I thought it was a good thing to be working from home, I'm, I'm a slave to it. Mm -hmm. Everything, every ping, I'm like running, who's sending email, my phone. Who, so it's, it's a curse in disguise <laughs> to be working from home because I don't stop. 2.20 is my stop time. I could be on here at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, minutes to 12, trying to finish up work where if I was in the building, I'd have been gone. But I have right. become a slave to this, right? So, no, I, I mean, I'm just, women, I don't, I don't, I agree with you when it says this pandemic has hit us differently than men. It, it, it just exasperates everything. It really does. Um, and I understand what you mean by being a slave to that computer. Uh, when you work at home, it, it, not, it takes discipline. It takes a lot of discipline to be able to get up and do that job and walk away from that job as well. So, um, you know, the, the struggle, we don't even know what the end of this pandemic is going to mean for women. Right now, they're saying that it could really create a lack of equality because men are going to be stronger going back into the workforce than women are. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a long, hard struggle for us girls. So the fact that you have a support system, I think that's very important. Um, and I hope you're staying safe up here and wearing your mask and everything. Definitely. De Listen, I, I am fortunate enough to be able to go outside without a mask and walk the neighborhood without a mask because mm -hmm. we don't live in the city. So I see a squirrel door red every now and again. So I'm able to do that. And I tell you, in the beginning, I wasn't taking the time for me. I'm taking time for me. Trust me, I'm taking time. It's I important. Have, right, I have a family that needs mom, you know, because like I said in the beginning, we have work and we have children. We have all these other things, layers, layers, layers. And, you know, I don't need the system, me being the system to break down. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> the system is what's holding us together, right? Yes, I'm the sister. I'm the glue, right? Everything right. from children who are away at college to a parent who, you know, is by herself and lives 45 minutes away from me trying to get to her. I mean, so if this system breaks down, <laughs> who's looking out for the other pieces? That <laughs> Stacey, let me ask you this. If you wanted to leave our viewers with any thoughts about COVID or um, how to cope through COVID, what would you want to tell our family listening? 
honestly, I just want to tell the family listening, it's to take time for you. No apologies needed. Take it because it will take you. Trust me. <laughs> take your time for you. That's a great tip. It really is. <laughs> That's where I'm leaving it. Take time. And it's okay. Don't apologize for it. Do it. Just do it. And breathe. And breathe. There is the power in breathing. I never knew how much power there was that for yeah. something we do every day naturally. God, you know, giving us the ability to breathe. How it just, you know, you take it like it's nothing, but it there is serious power in breathing, closing your eyes and really breathing, feeling it, feeling it, and then releasing That's it. Right. Meditation for breathing. Yes. Right. Purposeful breathing, right? Exactly, so. exactly. Well, bless you, sweetie. I'm so glad that you found the time to come visit us today. This was such a treat. Well, I'm happy. I'm. Uh, it's made my day. You can come on anytime. We'll let you know. You can come on anytime. Okay, I enjoyed it. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. We did too. Thank you. Thanks a lot, sweet. And we'll be in touch. Yes. Have a good one. Be safe. Be safe. You too, dear. Bye bye. 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 So, Jax, before we had that call, you were really getting into some very important statistics. And it, it, it's okay if we repeat them because I think they're worth repeating. One of the things that I had read when we were doing the research for this show is women in our age group are having an extreme difficulty re-entering the workforce if they're not in a job that has consistently maintained through the whole pandemic they're not finding jobs. So at 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, what are these women going to do for work? Especially if they were in executive positions, these companies are phasing them out and bringing in all young people. Because to keep someone of our age costs them a lot of money our experience, our time invested in the company, this is a very frightening thing for a large percentage of our audience here. Berg told me that the new data from Lenin and McKinsey's sixth annual Women in the Workplace report shows the effects of coronavirus could in one year erase all the progress that women have made in the workforce in the past five years or more. Now, a quarter of the women surveyed say they're thinking about either downshifting their career or leaving the workforce entirely because of the impact of COVID-19. Now, this is just the first time in the six years since Lean In and McKinsey started the survey that more women say they're intending to leave their jobs than men. Now, the departure of senior level women in particular 
will slow down progress for all women because they're more likely than senior level men to advocate for gender and racial equality and mentor or sponsor women of color. And black women have been disproportionately impacted by both COVID and racial violence this year. They're more likely than women overall to cite health and safety concerns as a reason they've considered downshifting their career or leaving the workforce during this pandemic. And they're more than twice as likely as women overall to say that the death of a loved one has been one of their biggest challenges during COVID. Now, there are a handful of bright spots in this survey. In the past six years, women's share of SVP roles has increased from 23% to 28%. And the share of C-suite roles grew from 17% to 21%. There's also potential in remote work to open opportunities for more diverse hiring and retention of employees who can't relocate or manage a long commute. Cheryl Sandberg telling me she hopes companies look beyond the quarter to the workforce that they're going to need and to take steps to address the concerns of women and people of color and really retain them. I think a lot of that onus is going to be on women, actually, yes. um, because you have men there. Most of them are in corporate jobs. And even if they're in industrial jobs, they are always going to get, in a sense, first preference. And then you have women that are in most what they call informal employment, healthcare, hospitality, domestic workers. Um, and they have little or no worker protections such as paid leave, severance pay, a notice that they're gonna be fired. Um, couple that with everything that they have to do in the house, now being teachers. If, if a job opens up, but a school is not open, what do you do? They have to stay at home and take care of the children. 70%, um, like I said earlier, of healthcare workers are women. Mm -hmm. And um, in general, women are going to earn less. In general, women have less savings. Um, and 96 million of people, 96 million people due to COVID could be thrust into poverty. And that is going to fall hard on women 25 to 34 years of age. So we don't know right now what's going to happen after we come out of this. I have one example for you. There is a family. The mother was an immigrant, undocumented. She has four kids, and they're all U.S. citizens. The mother can't work, so the daughter is doing all the work. She's paying all of the bills. Everything is falling on her. She's now going to um, food lines because this is the only way that they're able to eat right now. And although this daughter is working and paying her taxes into the system, they're not going to be eligible for the COVID benefits. They will not be eligible for stimulus payments. So this, again, this is something else that befalls women because she, her mother is the head of a household. There's no father there. And so we're looking at when you have now food insecurities, we have kids that we don't know how this is going to affect them socially at the end of the day. People are now dealing with anxiety, lack of support, diminished social services, and the progress in the workforce for women now is going to be set back because getting back into the workforce is going to be um, a matter of 
Is there going to be equality now when it comes to rehiring people? So there's a lot that we don't even know after the fact. There was an equality before. <laughs> there wasn't, right. So this is going to set the equality back even further because, you know, again, women are the ones that are going to go into these informal positions. But until schools are open, until women can get themselves to some sense of normalcy, it's anybody's guess what's going to happen. But women are, we stand to lose billions of dollars in the progress that we've already made and just in wages alone and so um, economic activity, you know? We're, we're in a sense the drivers sometimes of economic activity. And if we don't have the savings, if we don't have the money, if we don't have the, the means to get out there and support our families, then it could just be a whole snowball rolling down the hill. Okay, so <laughs> here's the dangerous thing about, well, first of all, I have a question before I even make that statement because mm, I knew that this show was going to be mind-boggling when, when we decided to do it. I just, I wanted to handle it with kit gloves. I didn't know how we were going to approach it because it's very important that we do it. Um, and I wanted to remain sensitive to the audience that we were speaking to, especially with the clips that we've chosen to put in between. But I wanted to ask you about the family that you were speaking. Why is it that they don't qualify for this these pennies that the government has decided to throw in the direction of the American public. Um, why is it that that family wouldn't qualify? You know, it's a mystery to me. In all honesty, I tried with everything I had to figure out and to find out why they wouldn't qualify. I don't know if it's because of the mother's immigration status. I don't know mm -hmm. if it's it can't be the threshold of income because I'm quite sure this young child is not making over $150,000 a year. And on top of everything she's doing, she's going to school. I'm still trying to figure out why someone who is paying into the system, paying their taxes, is not eligible for help and assistance that they need. When I find that out, I will definitely please, you know. please, please do. Then the other thing that you said, which just really whew, hit home. It's affecting women, as you have so clearly stated, and looking at the long-term effects of this, which we really haven't even begun to grasp the, the scope of the damage. But we as women are the higher percentile of purchasers in the economic system. Now, they're calling these economic stimulus checks. We as women are the one, we as Black women are the ones that push 
the system forward. So if we don't have anything, is the system really recovering if the women in the system are not thriving? Well, first of all, these are not supposed to be economic stimulus checks. These are supposed to be COVID relief checks. And the difference in, the difference basically, technically, is an economic stimulus is they want to give you money to go out and buy and keep the economy going. COVID recovery, this is supposed to handle things like back rent. Um, bills and things that you could not pay because your unemployment was cut off or you weren't getting enough benefits. Your salary has been drastically cut. Yes, of course, this money will go into the economy, but... Um, Honey, we need $30,000 checks, not twelve. If that's what this is supposed to do, $1,200 is not my rent is not my mortgage, is not a car exactly. payment, is not a total of bills. Exactly. And now that Let they me... dragged it out, Jax, mm -hmm. it's not even going to do it's anything worse. because it's paying, you're paying fees now. They, I don't know who are they talking to that is making compensation for the public when credit card companies are charging late fees and percentage and just piling them on and saying, okay, we're going to give you a COVID relief. No, no, it's not happening. All right, I'm going to shut up now. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, we're driving in the car, right? Let me make a left turn. We're going to go around the block for a minute. Okay. <laughs> there was a program in California, a, a young... Uh, Black mayor, I don't have his name at the moment, but they did a program for two years where they gave people $500 a month. Now, critics, before the program was even instituted, was, were saying, these people are going to take this money and they're just going to spend it. It's going to go to cigarettes and drugs and blah, blah, blah. Well, the study just ended. And guess what? The people that huh they built businesses the people that well not built businesses but the people that received the five hundred dollars were able to then get reliable cars so that they could go on job interviews they were able to if your child asks for ice cream yes we can go get some ice cream because guess what mommy has a reliable job now and a car okay so the people that received this money were able to build themselves up and then start amassing savings and have a sense of stability. So when Andrew Yang was talking about $1,000 a month for families, this type of stuff could work. Um, I understand needing COVID relief, but how long is it going to last? Because this is due to expire. So if you have a family who's getting that $400 benefit extra for their um, unemployment, and when that runs out, which it's due to run out soon, that's why they want to get this bill through. When it runs out and they can't get a job, then what? There's no more stimulus checks coming after that because this bill is so huge. So I think as the nation, we need to find a way to enable people to just live just live a, a minimum wage that is something that you could live on and then maybe 
during this pandemic, we wouldn't have necessarily been in such a hard shape because women especially would have had savings built up because we have been able money to live life, to not have to worry, to not be food insecure. So there's a lot that this ties up into politically and, and um, domestically that, you know, I think as a nation, we need to take a serious look at because as much as people need money, these bailouts and this aid, it can't keep going off. We're basically spending money that we, we don't print based on gold anymore. We just print when we need money. So, I don't know. <laughs> Careful, Jax, your passion is showing. <sighs> Women make up 50% of the global population, yet they often struggle to achieve economic equality or even the same level of political freedom as men. And despite some progress over the last few decades toward female empowerment, the coronavirus pandemic has undone some of this progress. So why are women struggling more than men? The gender gap describes the differences that men and women face in their daily lives, from finding a job and salary prospects to their intellectual and political prospects. In 2020, the World Economic Forum's Global Gender Gap Index, which measures differences in health, education, economics and politics between men and women, show that while no country has achieved full gender parity, the top three countries, Iceland, Norway and Finland, have narrowed the divide. But the index also showed that countries such as Jordan, Turkey, Japan and Hungary have more work to do to ensure both genders have similar opportunities. And whilst there has been a clear narrowing of the divide in health and education, this index shows that women's participation in politics and the economy still falls short. Globally, women make 77 cents for every dollar that men earn for work of equal value. And the coronavirus pandemic is making life even more difficult for women. Although they make up just 39% of the global workforce, they represented 54% of the overall job losses as of May. This contrasts with previous recessions, which impacted male workers more severely. But traditionally male-dominated industries, such as construction and manufacturing, have continued to operate closer to their pre-pandemic levels, while sectors which have a greater representation of women, such as hospitality and retail, have been hardest hit by the pandemic. In the US, women make up 52% of the hospitality workforce, but accounted for 54% of job losses in the sector in April 2020. And despite accounting for only 48% of the retail workforce in the US, women made up 61% of job losses. Even in the education and health services sector, where women form the majority of employees, they accounted for 83% of job losses in the same period. At the same time, stay-at-home orders in many countries have meant that children were unable to go to school as usual. This has increased the burden on women, 
who have had to juggle increased childcare responsibilities with their professional lives. For women who are self-employed or working informally, such as domestic workers or street vendors, the challenges posed by the coronavirus shock are even greater because of the precariousness of their jobs. They're also more likely to find it difficult to access credit in order to rebuild their careers. Even women who have kept their jobs have faced reduced prospects of promotion. One study has shown that 34% of men working remotely with kids at home were promoted, compared to only 9% of the women in the same situation. Reduced gender equality could worsen the economic damage occurring across the globe. Without action, the COVID-19-induced gender gap could shave off a trillion dollars from global growth in 2030. This is because the increased female participation in the labor force boosts productivity and increases wages for all workers. A larger workforce also increases government tax revenues, which can then be invested back in infrastructure and medical care. Allowing women the flexibility to choose their careers isn't just preferable for those who gain the freedom to follow their interests, but it's also beneficial for the wider economy as their skills can be deployed in appropriate jobs. That's why institutions like the International Monetary Fund have called on governments to step up their support for female workers. These measures could include passing more favorable parental leave laws for both genders, subsidizing childcare costs, and improving access to education. The benefits of narrowing the gender gap reach everybody, not just women. Gender-diverse companies are more likely to outperform their peers, and more equal societies gain from higher economic and social development. In times of economic uncertainty, these advantages may be more valuable than ever. Wow, that was a mouthful. So, Jax, oh my goodness. Listen, family, um, you're listening to us on Facebook Live. And if not, you're on Periscope. You could be on YouTube Live or you may be on Twitch. But if you're not on any of those, you can catch us later on these platforms. Jax, where are we at? Well, you can always catch us again on Facebook, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube. Make sure if you go to YouTube, you subscribe to the channel. You can hear us on TuneIn and Anchor, Breaker, Radio Public, Twitch, and Stitcher, Overcast, and pocket cast so you have a myriad of ways to listen to esp and jacks speaks and if you don't and want to type a comment publicly you can I was send us say, an email oh 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 how can they get to us how can they do it <laughs> you can send us an email at esp at espspeaks.com or at espspeaks at gmail.com. We're also on IG at ESP Real Talk, and we're on Twitter at ESP Speak. So once again, 
there's so many ways to contact us. And you can watch all of our past episodes on our YouTube channel at ESP Speak and also pop over to Jacksology because you guys have been asking me about her recipes and I don't know where to find the episode with the recipe. All of her recipes are on her Jacksology channel and she's got a lot of fun stuff over there as well. So have some fun. Click to subscribe to Jacksology as well. So family, we're back and we have Diana with us. And this particular guest is just so special to me in so many different ways and on so many different levels, a true sister. Um, the special, one of the special things about Diana is that she's a healthcare professional. So we're gonna answer the question from a whole different side. So once again, all of the ladies answered this question. During the period of COVID, we were all confronted with several challenges. What was your greatest challenge, number one? How did you get through it or have you gotten through it? And in the event that you did get through it, what piece of advice can you give to other women who may have possibly been dealing with the same thing or if not, just something uplifting that you would give them in sisterhood as a gift to get through this very difficult time. So your question is huge because I'm really gonna get into it with you. So you tell me how you wanna deal with the first half and then we'll wing the second half. All right. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me. Um, thank you. Uh, I could talk for an hour about this, but I'll And you can to listen <laughs> for an hour. Uh, it was really tough in the beginning. Still tough, but not as bad. It was tough because nobody knew what was happening. And when you're unaware of things that are happening around you, everything certain, mm -hmm. and we don't deal well with that as human uncertainty. I mean, some of us like to live on the edge, so to speak, but this is this edge that someone wanted to live on. Um, I stayed in the basement for about three months um, in the beginning because I, well, like I said, I didn't have enough information and I certainly did not want to bring something home to my family. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of being in the same house, but not really, that was quite awful for me. Um, I, we'd never had that before. Um, so just so, to hone in specifically on that, you would literally come home, take off clothing outside and come well, in or you'd come home and go straight down? like literally sprayed me down. I mean, I changed in the hospital first. I right. always wear scrubs, but I would change from the scrubs into regular clothes. And then even with the regular clothes, I got sprayed down, left my bags outside, um, and went straight downstairs. I didn't go anywhere else. So I didn't, I didn't really see them for a few months. I mean, I'm in the same house, but That's I didn't, crazy. Really, I literally, like they were FaceTiming me, which is, 
like psychologically that was kind of a big shift for me but Mm -hmm. um I had to have my head in the game so you know I couldn't I couldn't think about that too much so I how had, you, you, you were washing clothes and everything at, at, at home or you set the clothing? Okay. Separate. Cause you were already down. Okay. That makes yes. sense. I was already set downstairs away. Um, so I mean, even them bringing me food, mm-hmm. like they left it, they, you know, it was just, that was awful. Um, that's crazy. And you have yeah. young kids, so to not be, to be in the same like, house and not be able to hug them. And my daughter would say, this feels like you're in prison, mom. Oh. And I said, yeah, <laughs> kind of feels like that in a way, in a way, but it's not going to be forever. So let's just do what we have to do. And I think that's probably the only thing that has gotten me this far is a thought you just have to do what you have to do. You know, um, I've been taking care of people for so long and I don't know how to do anything else, I feel like. You know, so my priority, again, whether it be my family or my patients or my staff, is to take care of them. Mm -hmm. And we were all in different places, my family, my staff, everybody was in their own place because everybody dealt with this differently. Um, you know, at work, you have one way of thinking and we're pretty much all the same. You know, some of us got deployed. I'm in the operating room, but when you're deployed from the operating room to go to an ICU or to the morgue or to different areas, I mean, we're very specialized, you know, mm-hmm. and but for us to be going out in that way, it was really difficult for the staff, really difficult. I mean, I, I got to stay because I'm in administration. So I had to stay where I was to make sure everything was the way it was supposed well, to work. Right. Because we were still doing emergency surgeries, nothing else because, well, we couldn't, we really couldn't. Um, but still just watching the staff Hmm. That was so hard. Because I wanted wow. to go with them. I didn't want them to leave because they were so scared. And you know what? I couldn't bring it home. <laughs> so I was kind of a, glad in a way that I was in the basement because I could do this. My goodness, Diana, with that level of emotion and that level of caring for your staff and for your patients, I'm going to have to tread lightly with my next stream of questioning because shamefully in the society that we're in right now, that doesn't get to see what you do on a regular basis, on a daily basis, you, your staff, and all the medical professionals, how much you engross yourself in what you're doing and care so deeply about the patients and care about each other. They don't get to see this, but they react to 
the sociologically ignorant commentaries that are being made outside of the hospital that were being made by our previous administration where your ethnicity became an issue. Where I can't imagine you leaving a hospital at 6.30 in the morning after working all night, sometimes 16 hour shifts, going outside to your car and being followed by someone or being afraid that you're going to be followed by someone. And this is a realistic situation because you and I have had this conversation. So once again, I treat this with the utmost care. Would you be willing to speak about some of the fears that you felt and some of the things that you've seen and heard with regard to this situation? So there's gonna be some disturbance because my son is coming in right now. It's fine, it's real life. Okay. Um, going back to your question. Through the pandemic, even with what was happening outside with the comments about where COVID came from or who caused it or who brought it upon us, et cetera, et cetera, we cannot, we could not focus on anything except what we have to do. So regardless of what we're hearing, what we're seeing, even what we're experiencing, the focus always has to be the same. And again, that is to take care of people. And even regardless of what our patients, and there are patients who have the same views. It doesn't matter. Wow. We are commissioned to take care of everyone, regardless. Wow. And that's what we do. Now, as for the fear, when I'm coming to work, oh, because- I apologize for knocking like 18 times. Because when I'm going to work and when I'm coming home, it's dark. It's dark going in and start coming out. That's just the nature of my shifts. Mm -hmm. It has just been recent that I actually really do pay special mind to my surroundings. I've never, never, ever done that. I mean, I am trained in martial arts, mm -hmm. but that was just for fun. But now I'm really glad I am because if I have to, I will defend myself. Well, but let's say it right, Diana. You're a kick-ass black belt. Come on. <laughs> But, but, isn't, it, isn't it sad though yes, that it is. I would even have to use that the thought of me having to use those kind of skills on someone because they were going to attack me I've never felt that way until now recently because there have been staff of Asian Yeah, they've been attacked oh, during the pandemic. Disgusting. Coming to work. Spat. Yes. Coming out of the subway station. So, yeah. Well, wow. Mm -hmm. um, there's no segue for that. 
there's no segue for that. So we're just gonna stop for a minute and thank God you're safe and thank God for you. And as I said, there's no segue for that. So I'm just gonna have to move into something happier. <laughs> um, wow, that you, you blew me away. Okay, so let's come back to the original first part of the question where, what was the biggest, biggest personal challenge that you had through the whole pandemic? I mean, well, there's so many with regard to you, but can you just pick one that you feel that you've surmounted from beginning to thus far? Probably the most difficult thing was no matter how I was feeling or what I was thinking, I really truly had to put it aside and be in the moment of where I where I was, whether mm -hmm. it's home taking care of my family or at work taking care of my family there as well and mm -hmm. the patient. Um, the best way I could do that is just to focus on what's in front of me. Like I, I didn't really allow myself room to think about anything else except what I had to do literally within that hour because sometimes things were changing so fast. So quickly. Mm -hmm. You didn't have a choice, right? So actually what I learned a lot this year was how to adapt. I mean, I've always had to do that in what I do, but mm -hmm. even more so, even more so, as we have all. If we have not learned anything, it's that we have to learn to adapt. Change comes sometimes so unexpectedly and so quickly. But if we can take a moment just to think about where we are in the situation, mm -hmm. and that's what we have to do every day, pretty much, right? When you wake up, I think most importantly is to be grateful that we have another day. Mm -hmm. I mean, not every day is great, but we get a chance another chance to do something. So that in itself. So not every day is great, but we have the opportunity to be grateful. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All it's right. Along the lines of there's always a silver lining. The silver lining is we woke up because so many did not. Did not. So would that be the one piece of advice that you'd give specifically to the women because this is international women's month so we're focusing Woo -hoo! all of our and exactly we're focusing all of our energy on the beauty and the power and the resilience and the magnificence of women yes. and what we do and how we do it and how we do it so well because we deserve to fix each other's crowns and lift each other up. So what is the one piece of advice that you would give to the sisters that are listening that have been battling whatever it is throughout this whole COVID craziness, whether it be with the kids or the finances or the health or uh, the mental stability? 
because our mental stability has taken a beating throughout all of this. What is the one thing that you would give them as a piece of advice? I know that's a big question, but I know you and you can handle it. Just exactly what I said. Um, you have to start with the gratitude because if we don't have that, then we lose sight of what is supposed to be. You know, we're all working towards something. We don't know what it is. Not all of us anyway. Um, but if you have the gratitude and you can move forward each day with that gratitude, you're going to find something, something that will carry you through the day. And you know what? Going through the day, you might not feel, I think this, is, this was a struggle for me too. The level of productivity, I'm just that person. I, I have my list and I want to check everything off. Well, you can't do that kind of thing in a pandemic, okay? It just yes, I know work. about your list. <laughs> it's endless. Like, it was like... The You're the only person I know that a, their list is longer than my list. <laughs> but the thing is, those were some of the longest days in the beginning. When you don't know what's going on, it's like the day never ends. And, and then all of a sudden, I'm, I don't remember when, but then the pace of the days quickened. And I don't know when it happened. Maybe when things were trying to open up or what have you, then there weren't enough hours in the day. Even though I felt like really not doing all that much, but I still feel like, where did the day go? Mm -hmm. Where did it go? And I think that's because we always want time. Mm. And even though we want more time, more time, we never have enough time. I mean, we had a lot of, we have a lot, we had a lot of time to think about things during this pandemic. So if you haven't figured out a few things about yourself, even though we had the quiet time and quiet time, meaning there was nothing else to do except be in your house, mm -hmm. think, right? Hopefully spend um, some quality time with the family, you know, or call up those friends you haven't spoken to in a long, long time. I mean, yeah, I think that was one of the struggles as well for me, that, that change in time, grasping time, what you do with it. So two more questions actually coming off of the, the thought process of time. Things are starting to open up a little bit now, and we're kind of finding the new normal where we're venturing further out into the unknown of the known. Um, how do you think, are your children prepared to go back out into this? Are you prepared for them to be out there? Again, looking from the standpoint of not only a mom, but also a medical professional. That's part one. And part two is, how does the vaccine play into all of this for you? Because you were a mandatory take, whether you wanted it or not, you got it in the first week. So what are your feelings on, is, is the virus, is the vaccine working? 
and working to the overall goal, because I mean, we're not going to know if the vaccine is working for years down the line, really. But should we all be inoculated? And should the kids be inoculated? And are you ready for them to go back out into the world? As a parent? Well, I feel like I've taught them everything I know as far as being careful when they go out. Um, thankfully, they've developed good habits for the past year. They had a whole year to do it. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm happy for that. Um, for them, themselves, I will tell you my son can't wait to get out. But my daughter, different. Mm -hmm. Kids are different, right? She, when I take her out in the car, she marvels at how many people are out. So, to, so then I actually say, Maybe you need to get out more, take a mm. walk even, you know. I mean, she busies herself with her classes, her AP classes and her crocheting. She does a lot of crafts and baking and all that kind of stuff. But going outside, she's still, mm, she's not feeling it. And that's okay too. Okay. Well, so I know her, her signs, so she's more comfortable <laughs> home anyway. <laughs> but Diana? Yes. It's, you have just, it's always a joy speaking with you in any context, whether it's on film, off film, we're just hanging. I miss you so much. And if I, okay, I can feel the tears because like I said in the beginning of this interview, family, this woman is so special to me on so many different levels. Um, when I was extremely ill several years ago, literally on my deathbed if it were not for her and one other person I may not be here so I'm so glad that you didn't catch this thing I'm so glad that you survived and I'm so glad that you're well and I thank you for coming on and chatting with us for a moment Absolutely. and I love you you know <laughs> Okay, any last words? Oh, just quickly about the vaccine. I will tell you quite honestly, I did hold off for as long as I felt I should. Um, it's not gonna work unless more people get vaccinated. That's just the bottom line, you know? Um, but we have to not be lax now and not, think that it's safe. It's not. You can still catch it. Even with two, both vaccinations, fully vaccinated, people can still get COVID. It has happened to our own staff. Mm -hmm. So again, do not feel it's okay to put that mask away or not wash your hands as much or be all up in each other's faces. It's not, it's not. So I know to address that, some would say, well, if we still can all get it, why take it? What people have to understand is in it, it, what the vaccine does, it doesn't alleviate COVID, it lessens the effects of having COVID. So if you have the vaccine and you go into the hospital with COVID, 10 chances to one, you may not die. Correct. Without the COVID, the probability is much higher, yes. correct? 
Correct. Okay. So if we're all inoculated, we have less death. Yes. But at some point, just like with every other vaccine that's been created, at some point we've phased out the the livelihood of this virus to such a point where it virtually doesn't exist anymore. And when somebody gets it, it's like, really? Where did that come from? We haven't heard about that. When was the last time you heard somebody had the mumps? Mm. Measles, I mean, we had a measles uh, scare a couple of years ago, but that's because people stopped getting vaccinated in a particular area. Mm -hmm. uh, science is always befuddling to the masses. So we will work through this like we've yes, worked through everything else. And once again, you know, you and I could stay on. I could do a whole show on you just by ourselves. And you know what? I, honestly, I forgot that we were actually rolling film right now. So perhaps we should cut this short. <laughs> oh my gosh, Diana, thank you so much. I love you, dear. Love you too. And we will see you next time. Family, once again, Diana, and I'm not, you know, I'm not giving last names, but we thank you for being here and we'll speak with you soon. Thank you. Be well, everyone. When we get hurt, no one tells us. Lose the crutches, it's all in your head. If someone is seriously ill, we don't say. Just feel less pneumonia-y. So how is it that when? I'm not able to sleep at night. I'm anxious all the time. Drinking is the only way I can feel good these days. Seems like I'm arguing with the people I love nonstop. Or other issues related to our mental health. Too many people pretend we can just... Snap out of it. Taking care of our mental health shouldn't be any different than taking care of our physical health. But let's be honest. There's still too much secrecy and shame around seeking help. The truth is, this affects nearly all of us. One in five adult New Yorkers are dealing with a mental health disorder every year. Now imagine a city where the path to taking care of your mental health is crystal clear. We're not just going to imagine it. We created a roadmap for mental health to make our city as healthy and as strong as it can be. The roadmap has six guiding principles. Change the culture. Let's make it easier to talk about our mental health. Act early. Investing in prevention gives New Yorkers the tools to weather challenges. Close treatment gaps. We need proven programs in every neighborhood and every community. Partner with communities. The wisdom of local communities will help us get to the most effective solutions. Use data better. Better data means better treatment, better policies, and better prevention. Strengthen government's ability to lead because we have a responsibility to support your access to mental health. New York City is moving closer to the day when the path to mental health is clear for every New Yorker. Get involved. Find out more about the roadmap here. And we're back, family. Today, we're discussing women in COVID and their positive images as to what each one of them bring to the table in terms of helping us survive woman to woman. Right now, we have with us Michelle Hercules. So let's jump right in because we've had all of the ladies answer this question. During the past year of this pandemic, what has been your biggest challenge? How are you dealing with it? 
or overcome it if you have. And if you can, say one positive thing that you can give to the women of the audience today as you finish up your time with us. So you can take that on any level that you want. Let's just jump in. Um, the pandemic, um, it was hard, it, it uh, still is, um, except now every, we're a bit more comfortable because it's been a year uh, experiencing uh, COVID-19 and the, the symptoms, the deaths. And it's not that we have um, accepted it, if you will, but I think some of us think we're a little bit too comfortable. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, this one, before it was so many deaths, people are still dying. Uh, um, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, I already, um, uh, I'm not going to use the word suffer, um, but I've had depression, uh, major, massive, whichever wording you want to use, depression for years. And um, it made me uh, sit back and go, wait, even though I was comfortable in that quiet space, because that's the way I've always been, it kind of was very still. There was no one on the road to walking. There's no shopping. There's not, I mean, everything except for what the media had to say about what was going on. It was actually very quiet. And, you know, when things are very quiet, sometimes you just can hear yourself think, like, because mm -hmm. there's nothing really else no one else really talking except if you put on if you go outside it was not a car driving no one moved and so um it allowed me to think like what was my next step where am I going to be um I had to uh really not miss any of my therapy sessions um because sometimes my thoughts were not good um, and I was just really down and out, um, uh, but a therapy was amazing, um, and I don't feel, it, I, I think I started, she, the therapist that I had, she says to me, um, like, who am I, you know, like, even though everything else is happening in the world, like, who are you, mm -hmm. and, um, I had to, you know, I had time to find that out, I'm not working, um, I actually left work uh, a year prior to uh, the pandemic, um, May 2019, yeah, that I left work. But I'm not saying it's easy. I just planned, you know, and I saved all the time. And I'm a saver. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to, and then God is amazing in all that he does, you know. So I was able to uh, take care of the family um with the the what the the decisions that I made financially um do you mind if I ask you why is it is it too personal that I ask you why you left in May of 219 yes so uh I used to work doing house calls so I'm a phlebotomist and I would go to people's homes. Uh, I used to work for uh, different companies. And um, I would go to people's homes, draw their blood from the various doctors, visiting their services, and whomever mm -hmm. else put uh, scripts out there. And 
take the book to the labs. A lot of the, um, you know, there was a downsize and a takeover, all of that, and the companies disappeared or they'll get rid of the house called apartments or send it out to someone else. And so I lost all the goodies, like they gave me a car and everything. So I, I didn't have that anymore. And then the hours that I worked, which is from 3.30 a.m. And I was relatively finished with work by 10 a.m. I would be there for my children. Mm. I didn't want to be laid off. Mm -hmm. um, so I said, I opted not to take the package. And I said, let me stay in with the company. Um, so it was they beneficial already, for you to, to ease back from the work in order to get a better control I, on what was happening. I in had house. to. Uh, so Michelle, yeah. what is the word, what is the word of encouragement that you would give to our sisters doing, during all of this craziness in the pandemic that we're going through? Is there anything that you could say them up? Yeah, well, my sisters, we have to stay um, prayed up, um, meditate, take that time to embrace God's promises, um, doing a therapy, sitting down and talking to a, psychi a psychiatrist. It's not always a psychiatrist. Uh, some, it's a psychologist or sometimes it's just a, a social worker um, that's trained to listen to what mm -hmm. it is that you have to say. And we, I grew up thinking that that's taboo, you know, uh, just go on with it and be tough and do what you need to do, you, you know, but you need someone other than a girlfriend or, or, or who we know. Sometimes it's easier to say something to a stranger. You don't know, you, you don't fear of being judged. And quite frankly, if they're judging you, it's like, oh, who cares? I don't really, you know, know you. I'm not saying it's, you're not going to build a relationship with that person. But there's an honesty that I felt when speaking to this person that I didn't know because now we have a really good relationship. But so therapy uh, is amazing. It has helped me through much. Um, and there was a time where I wouldn't speak to anyone, uh, but this uh, having therapy and sitting down, praying more, having time to myself. And you know what? I've been learning to self-care. Mm. Um, I've been learning to self-care because that was something that I never took advantage of. And self-care to me was taking care of my girls, cleaning the house, making sure my sister is happy, my niece is happy, oh, my girlfriend, oh, she said she wanted this. Let me buy this for that is what self-care because it put a smile on someone else's face. And I'm not saying that that's not a wonderful thing. But in a time that there was nothing going on, I had to learn how to take care of me. That's right. Because what you were describing be. was being a caretaker, not self-care. Self -care. So family... You got to take some time and take care of yourself. So, sweetie, thank you so much for sharing with us welcome. today. You were such a joy. And you brought back, you brought me life, baby girl. You brought me life. <laughs> thank you. But so did you, more than you 
could even imagine more than you know. And I do thank you for just inviting me, allowing me to speak and say what's in my heart and reaching out and praying that, you know, someone, even if it's just one, just it, 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 it has meaning to them and helps them along the way. Well, we're going to come back and talk with you because I want you in a couple of other shows, especially our women's shows, because you have a lot to say that's, that's worthy of hearing. So we're going to visit with you again. Family, once again, this is Michelle, and we're going to be seeing her later on. Thank you so much, sweetie. It Thank was a you. pleasure. And Dax, I, you know, I don't know how I feel right now. I, I usually feel energized after a show, but this was, I have a smile on my face. This show was actually a little depressing for me. It is, it is. It really is. I understand okay. the feeling. What are we gonna do? I mean, no one has really thought out the long-term effects of this. You, you, they're worried about us taking this vaccine. We're worried about staying alive not just with COVID, but keeping yeah. a roof over our heads, keeping the kids sane, because we haven't even begun to touch on that one today with the kids. These kids have been locked up for a year. I mean, if you have a three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, you let them go out in the backyard, they're fine. What about the teenagers that at 14 should have been getting their working papers and, and packing groceries at the supermarket or, or uh, we it used to be paper routes for us so we worked at the candy store you worked at mcdonald's nothing there are grown people working at mcdonald's behind the counter just to make ends meet how much more so can a 14 year old find a job how are they going to be interacting when they're getting ready to go back to school are the kids going to be safe on the subways you know in new york city there are i know we have listeners all over the world but in new york city and in the asian countries when we get on trains we're packed in like sardines we were supposed to stay six feet away from each other how are we going to do this again the kids what what do we do with high school children do we repeat the year how do we reacclimate them into the system how do we prepare them for college <sighs> okay um, I it's can hear lot. you saying, <laughs> I was going to say, I think one way, one way, it might not get us all the way through, but one thing that is a good thing to do is like Stacy said, breathe and take time for you. Make sure that your mental health, your well-being is intact because if you aren't, everything around you will not be. I get the it. Women. That's the weight of our shoulders. I get it. But you know what? Here's, I'm going to start a company and we're going, you know what, Jax? That's why I started Queen Aged. So we really need to, I need to talk with the lawyers and we really need to dig down and see how we can develop jobs and how we can put something out there so the workforce can stand. Oh, God. All right. I'm breathing. Inhale, it's time exhale. to go. Yeah. <laughs> we so need guys, to go take time for ourselves. Yeah, we need to, we need to, um, family, thank you so much for, for being with us. And we just wanted to, to touch the sensitive side. And um, 
we have a couple of shows coming up. Um, I think the kids are gonna be on actually going back to that subject. I have my high schoolers coming on. They're all gonna be on screen with avatars because I don't wanna show their faces, but their parents have given them permission to be on screen. So that's gonna be helpful. All you moms might wanna tune in because these kids may say something that you need to hear that you didn't even know what was going on, especially with um, being online. So what else, what other shows do we have? We have the kids coming up. We have the mental health show again with Dr. Che Johnson. Um, we're gonna be doing the women's series, Powerful Women. Those of you who are still working and there's actually two sisters that have built businesses during the pandemic. And I wanna tap into them so they can give some encouragement to the audience. But not to bore you all, we thank you for being with us. We love you and we thank you for the numbers. And uh, Jack, any last Jackology words? Just walk with care. Walk with, walk that's with your care. new phrase, walk with care. I love it. I love it. So in the meantime, in between time, you know what we're going to say. <laughs> Be positive. That's negative. We will see you next time on ESP and Jack.